Maybe I should be anonymous when we release this because am I going to lose my job for talking about I don't know. And then it turns out you're going to lose your job anyway, so who cares? <laughs> and it turns out, yeah, it doesn't even matter. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. I got a friend that has a relative that goes on the podcast from time to time. And I think some people know. I definitely know. And I think some of the other kind of regular listeners may know. But they go on. Damn, I can't say anything about it because I'll spoil it. But they go on as a different name. Uh, and it's because this person is younger and going into looking for colleges and that kind of thing. And due to the content and some perhaps opinions of both parties, he has chosen to remain under a pseudonym because, uh, I guess people do that now. It'd be hard not to, you know, if you're, if I were hiring and someone's, crap came across my desk i would just probably do a quick google and uh i wish i knew this story i don't all i know is this fact my dad is does a lot of hiring he's like human resources so he deals with a lot of people problems within the company he works for at a large company yeah. at a really big company yeah and uh with a lot of public facing employees that interact with the public right and all i really know is then when this OnlyFans thing started popping off, somebody oh that God. worked for the company in a very public way apparently had an OnlyFans. I don't know how this got quote unquote public, but I'm guessing they must have been doing like all right on it. Like it was well enough that like the word got out. So then the investigation mm. like partially became like wh where is the OnlyFans? Should we perhaps look and watch some of this OnlyFans? Like, oh make sure this God. is like acceptable. Like, I don't know why this is. You know, they had this thing. I see. I don't why know. Why does the workplace care? Well, I don't know. That's. I think that was my dad's take. Oh. Who he's kind of like the fixer a lot of times. And if I remember, I was doing work at his house, and I was kind of just hearing a lot of this in the background. And I think that was. I think his take was. Ah, I don't think we should be worried about this. I think we should actually get away from this because it's totally not has nothing to do with us until we start making it to do with us and you really don't want to do that like we don't give a shit you know but that there was so much drama at the time in the workplace because it was also masks or no masks or employee wanting to do this or do that or then it was like at the same time if you remember there was like black lives matter stuff going on so people were coming in with like workers were coming in with like pins on like you know for your shirt or put on their hats or put on their mask or the mask would say black lives matter and that was very contentious and then the only fans people were coming mm -hmm. and it was just like i swear all he did for like two or three years was just sit half dressed behind his computer at home and just talk to managers that had no idea how to keep shit from exploding basically it was pretty interesting it was entertaining because oh. i would just be changing like door locks and stuff and then he was over there like so one of our managers is a porn actress now uh 
if one of her employees wants to be part of Black Lives Matter publicly while at work, do we have a policy? You know, it's just like, oh my God, the minutia. Dealing with people, man. Fuck people. Can we be real about that, though? Because I knew someone, this is a person in the gay community who had an OnlyFans or has an OnlyFans and has like a professional job. And there are lots of people, Not I don't know how many, I was. there are people, um, I won't say lots, of people out there who have these OnlyFans and have like real jobs and stuff. And people are like, that should be totally okay. Um, and I guess I'm like, yeah, I, you know, if what you do is your business and as long as you're doing your job, like, I think, you know, that's fine. But then it's kind of weird that I feel like that is not worse or better to me than like someone having a podcast. So it's kind of strange that I would feel more threatened by just talking about a particular issue or topic or whatever in an unconventional way than literally having videos of myself naked online. Uh, that's a little weird. I feel like that's Especially a weird when you, because I think you do have to consider, because you might immediately think there could be a difference, but a lot of times the way that it works, because the porn industry is so weird, mainly in the fact that like everything's kind of, there's so much of it is free. And but that you mean is, like it's made for free or like it's accessible like it's, it's just you could just find it ev- and, it's like everywhere yeah. if for like just you would never get to the it would be I mean I guess people do but it would be wild <laughs> to get to the point where you're like well I guess I'm gonna start, I have to start paying for this because this I've kind of just run out I mean I don't know yeah, what, yeah, you know yeah. you'd have there's to like be there's something else going on once you start free paying stuff for online. it okay yeah yeah but, but I think part of that must be because there is so much premium stuff, like there clearly is premium content, like OnlyFans in it, in theory is like premium content because you don't like, I can't just like go see it. I don't think, I think you have to like pay the person. It's like Patreon for porn, right? Like I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or That's at least my, for the most part. Yeah, so you can't see it unless you pay for it. But I think those people advertise on like the YouTube of porn, which would be like the porn hubs, the whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, because I would, originally, I'm just going to say like, well, a podcast, it'd be a lot easier, in my opinion, if someone came to you and was like, hey, look, you might be doing porn, we've heard, and that's not really great for us. It'd be really easy to be like, well, why don't you just shut the fuck up and leave me alone? It's none of your business. I mean, are you paying for it? Like, what are you looking at? You know what I mean? It's very, like, it's uncomfortable for both people at that point, I would say. And also like, well, you should be having to you'd be trying to see it, you know, like it's not really for the public unless you're paying, but there is actually a lot of content out there that's advertising. I think that's what the free stuff is. You know, it's like, it's sure. really kind of like advertising like for baiting you or whatever. people or studios or something. I don't really they understand call those the industry. Like, uh, what is it? Like lead gen, you know, or lead magnets yeah, yeah. where you create like, free literally. content. Yeah. <laughs> Or it, it, pro- it like ends before the good part or something, you know, where it's like, oh, follow me and Patreon or whatever and see the rest or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have one of those accounts. But I do know, I think even given that, actually, even if it were all public, there is something more that feels actually more risky about having uh, a forum of public opinions versus just here's my butthole. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I don't want to, like, straw man it because I don't actually have an OnlyFans or something. 
but I suspect that that would be the case. Um, at least that's my sense. The, I wanted to ask you, though, does your dad, like, what does he say since he's in HR about all these things? Because on the one hand, I just Let feel like... Let me tell like, you. Oh, yeah, go on. I just feel like it should be... The only reason I would see the company to have a problem with it is if you were representing the company in said video or podcast or whatever it is. Like, that's the only way I could see the company having a claim to being like, hey, you can't do like, you can't ruin our reputation in this way. We're not attached to that. But I don't understand how the company could be like, you can't do that. Well, I'll say this because I don't know exactly. But I will say in a world full of 50 million porn stars quote unquote like 50 million whatever 50 million these stars only fans everyone's whatever that it, in that case it seems like the draw i'm trying to put my mind i'm trying to put myself in the mind of someone that i may or may not really fully be walk in the shoes of a porn star i'm thinking i'm trying to rock in the shoes of a porn uh purchaser like mm. i'm i'm putting my money where your mouth is, where your I mind don't want is. To say that, where whatever, <laughs> yeah, some where something is. So, I'm trying to imagine. Maybe the reason, maybe that's maybe. Hang on, sing it. Let's spit it out. Come on. <laughs> okay, look here. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If I found out that one of my friends, just I kind of know them, you know, yeah, was doing OnlyFans. Uh, I'm just saying you, there's something about that that makes you even more curious than the fact that random chicks out there or dudes or whoever are doing it. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. someone you know is doing it. You'd be like, wait a minute. Michael's on OnlyFans? No, really? Or someone you went to school with. You don't even know him really that much anymore. But you're like, that's what they're doing? I got, I might have to see that. Like, I don't know. And if I even want to see that, but okay, so let's take that and now apply that to someone who's like a porn purchaser. Like I do, I will put my credit card in a website or whatever and get the content. That may be like a highly, highly motivating factor that like, oh, it's just the chick that, that I get my chicken sandwich from down the road. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that might be mm. like... I think that is the appeal, yeah. I'm not like a, a far off... Like, I think that's the whole reason it's big. It's like, because it, yeah, it could yeah, be totally. anybody. It's not just like some chick that is like, I don't know what's behind her eyes while this is happening or what kind of drug she's on or what her origin story is or where she came from or was she trying to be an actress or this or that? Like, you know, it's just, it's like a, it's like watching an actor. Yeah, no, it makes the fantasies more real, I think. Because it is more real, because it's yeah. you're not an actor. You're right. just you a, can imagine a person. This person. You're, you you're literally a manager of a yeah. chicken shop or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. There's something about that. Yeah, it's weird. So, I don't know. I, I think in this case, my dad was like, who gives a shit? But he's that kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of like a very, shall we say, sex positive, if that's a word. What does that mean? Let me Google that. I don't want to be saying weird shit about my dad. Like what you just mean he's very sex? open or sort of non-confrontational, not uh, puritanistic maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this having or promoting an open, tolerant, or progressive attitude towards sex and sexuality. Yeah. So he's that, I would say. I, though he comes across as very professional and stuff, you know, 
However, at the same time, this is here's maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I'm just gonna throw it out. So one okay. time I was starting this podcast with this guy named Remember? Oh yeah. The days before me. For that podcast, we decided like I'll talk to my dad. Like his so his dad does something really interesting. He's in the uh let's say the in entertainment industry. Like what he does at a, and he's high high up. But what and whatever his dad does has something to do with like they compete with Ticketmaster, kind of, you know. So they're in entertainment somehow. I don't really even know what Ticketmaster oh, okay. does, but that's not what they adult do. entertainment, but just entertainment. No, just like okay. general entertainment. And at the time we were doing the podcast, that was a really going to be interesting. So we were both like, "Hey, let's respectively talk to these guys," because like in a way, they're high level individuals. His dad is in his industry, and that was an interesting industry during the pandemic and all that stuff. Like a lot sure. of public interaction. And I was like, "And I'll talk to my dad about like." the hr pr all that kind of stuff like what's mm. going on and let me tell you it did not go how i thought it would go my dad was so confused like i interviewed him and i was like so when do you get orders from the lizard people and he was like oh my God. who what like i don't get orders from the lizard people and i'm like well that's a good point so at the time the netflix thing was had kind of happened with dave chappelle which I think was a whole fake thing for publicity, but it but you it was mean presented where he put out the closer and they were gonna pull him. Or was whatever? that the trans one where he was like, "I have a trans friend and she likes these jokes" or something? Well, I think it was the closer, but he put out a special where he made some some jokes that the topic was the LGBTQIA two plus s community and the trans community. And then there was a lot of backlash. A lot of people pulled him. Uh, and then there was this big debacle over whether Netflix was going to pull him off the platform or not. Right. So I think that was around the time. And so I remember using one of those situations as an example. And I was like, so oh, this example, mm. I'm like, see, it's like the company is having, it's just a thing they do, but one of the people they do it with is like saying a thing and they got to like fall in line with some kind of like diversity, equity, something or the other, you know, like, isn't that weird to you, dad? Like, don't you have to do that all the time? I was like, there's a memo, right? Like somehow all of you fucking people are on the same page. You're all woke psychos, right? And he was like, this is interesting, okay? So I didn't know where to take this, so I didn't do a good job with the interview. And it wasn't recorded. I just like asked questions and wrote it down. But one of the things he was talking about was like, uh, one of the topics, like terms like like that, like social whatever, inclusion, diversity, whatever all that shit is. D and he and was I, like- Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, well, we've been talking about that in our industry for like 25 years. And I was like, what? Like, how is that? So it kind of dawned on me for a moment, but I didn't even know how to like get to the bottom of it. I'm like, so this is all your fucking people's fault? Like, you, you've been fomenting <laughs> You're this like, for 25 years. Where do years. I put the blame? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> Lizard your, people, you. Like, so your life <laughs> sucks. Else. Your job is super stressful, and it's really like that because of you you did this because for 25 years you've been trying to do xyz now here's something interesting i asked him about like diversity hires and that kind of thing and he said always i don't know if this is a him thing personally but i, I think there is a philosophy somewhere he my dad loves to learn about this stuff like in the industry and there 
but he, I said, so how do you do the hiring thing? And he said, it's kind of like, this is me recapping what he said, but it's like a, like a system almost. We're like, so you want to promote a lot of times, not always, but as large part, you would like to promote from within, obviously. Sure. I mean, people got to have room to grow. You want, yeah. Upward mobility. They have a customer base that, and their customer base is, uh, interacts heavily, like face-to-face stuff mm, okay. with, the, with some of the people that work there. There's obviously corporate and then there's like store kind of stuff. And he told me that one of the things they try to do, so this is just like a principle, like your management, your well, I don't know what level he's referring to, but like management and upper management, basically all of those should kind of like, it's like a fractal, like they should all kind of reflect the next level down. So if you've got like 10% of your employees, you know, main wage employees are black, probably 10% of management in your store should be black. And he was saying that if people are doing a good job, that should happen anyways. Like it should just kind of be automatic. Oh, I Unless see. there's a... Pr- so he was saying like, if mm. it's not, like you are, maybe you're being a little racist, you know, like, mm. or maybe there's a, a weird bias going on because... Right doesn't have to be race, but could be anything. Yeah. So we'll we'll take people from stores and like bump them up every now and then. And we're realizing that we're never taking anything other than white males. Here's another interesting fact, though. Like I said, we don't have to talk about this, but it's just interesting little tidbits. He okay. also said, I think he said one of the starker contrasts is you'll end up with a lot of women in a store or a lot of women getting hired and promoted and no men, which is an interesting phenomenon. Hmm. And so I think he was, I don't know what his point exactly was because it's been so long since I talked to him, but it sounded like a lot of it had was like, it's not always what you'd think it is. And it's not as like weird as you'd think it is. But the the messaging that everybody experiences in the news is so, to me, this is what I took away. It's so similar to what they're really doing, but it's missing the mark. Like they're not doing it with vitriol and hate. They see it as a observation first and uh, almost a utilitarian type of thing. Like this is not like it's something's wrong if it's not working naturally like that, basically. And we need to and there's something that we need to address just logically speaking. Okay, well, to the first thing you said, I think that's really interesting because I think that's maybe a more appropriate benchline is to look inside your company, like at the ground level, you know, the people we recruit and then you know, the next level and the next level, as opposed to looking at the population and then looking at the whole company. I think that can be very unnuanced. For example, like in technology, this often happens where you'll like report statistics on, we have 50% women, 50% men. But then you look at the divisions and it's like, all the engineers are men, all the marketers are women or whatever department. And it's like, oh, it's actually not 50-50 across the organization. It's like in total, it's 50-50, but we actually have larger equity problems, you know, depending on where you are in the organization or whatever. There may be an actual reason beyond the easiest way to put it is like there might be a literally a biological reason. Oh, sure. That, that's, well, that some things like that happen because that's such a... Yeah, I mean, there are differences on average between men and women and it, it doesn't even matter if the differences were very large. They can be very small. Like the difference in the average distribution of men and women could be like very small, but in a competitive market, If the difference is just very small, it's like, well, then on average, like in a competitive environment, the men or the women will get selected more on average. So I don't even think that's necessarily a problem. I'm just saying that 
it's interesting. I think a lot of people get upset, you know, about these diversity things. And right, I'm not saying it's right or wrong to get upset. Um, but I think there's a lot of nuance there. It's not so simple as like looking at, you know, the way the company presents information and saying like, oh, the total company is whatever. Like, I think it's actually more interesting to look at it like your dad and look at. Well, because it's so much more nuanced. You know, one level to the next, to the level to the next level are um, you know people getting promoted at the the same rate. Yeah, because it's it's also it's cultural and everything. Because they're when you're talking about like store locations and a nation a, na- a national company, it's like the type of diversity that they run into is way more complicated and nuanced than like is it black people or white people or anything like that. It's like you you end up with like. Like, so in in some places, I think you said there's like some places where like all the employees are Mexicans because the mm. manager's Mexican and it's mm. like everything just turns Mexican kind of. But then, then they have to step back again and look at it and go, well, like, who's our customer base? Is it mostly Mexicans? You know, like, and if it is, as far as the company's concerned, they may look at that and go, I'm putting a lot of words in my dad's mouth, but this is kind of the feeling of the conversation. It's like, well, you might look at it and go. I guess we'll leave this because this is actually fine. Like, it would be weird. Well, maybe it's contextual too. Like in this location, what are our customers like? Yeah, very specific. Or like maybe in this area, the men, like the men in, uh, wherever, like in Boston, are a little harsh, you know. But like, you need that. But you couldn't transfer the manager from Boston to South Georgia because. It just wouldn't work. Even if he's an amazing manager, he runs the best store there is. Yeah, That might not be, you might not even be able to do that kind of transfer. You might not even be able to, he can't train some people that you hire because it's the wrong kind of culture, perhaps. I don't know. To me, when I was talking about it, it was, it sounded a little more involved. It sounded like an interesting job, actually. Yeah. Seemed like a job I'd kill myself if I had, but at the same time, once I realized like how many things you might have to think of, like it kind of made sense how come some people might have to be on meetings all day long when you're dealing with a national or even a global geographical situation and uh yeah or whatever and you just gotta you gotta look at each one and be like what's this what's this yeah. what's this what's this Every like case, everything's case a little bit basis. different which is very different from the way it's the national about, conversation yeah. just being like it's this you know yeah because he has an overrepresentation, I can't remember what it is, but that company in this in the store management and promotion management, there is a strange overrepresentation. But I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, it's of some minority. I don't know, or quote unquote minority, like it's either women or like Hispanic men or something. There's like a thing, and they just got to look at it and go, okay. Yeah, like I mean, in the tech industry, you have an overrepresentation to population levels of. Uh, typically Asian people. Uh, in where? Oh, in the tech industry? Yeah, which is because those people tend to do really well in school and technical jobs and fields and then get uh, jobs in technology. And that's like something that I feel like you never hear a lot of press about. Like, oh, you don't hear people saying like, we need to reduce the number of Asians in the workforce. Because I think that that sounds kind of bad when you say that. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't... These things are kind of tricky because, you know, I wanted to make this point about the women thing. Uh, I think that's interesting because in some way, and I don't know if you could make this parallel with Asian people versus other ethnicities, um, women are a little more vulnerable 
um, just biologically, uh, women tend to be smaller and less strong on average than men. And so a man could, on average, take advantage of women, and maybe men are more assertive or aggressive and more likely to you know, assert themselves socially, and also women have to carry children. So in sexual relations or sexual violence even, men bear a lower cost of that because they obviously don't get impregnated and have to carry a child for potentially many months. Uh, we're going to have to edit this out because uh, that's wrong, Ben. Men can get pregnant. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just to oh, throw that God. Out. Yeah. Well, so... Um, so I, I understand why maybe um, a person like that, like a woman who's a, a person who is maybe more vulnerable, would try to keep men out. Like maybe it's like men are, are kind of dangerous in some way. And that that's a, there's some truth to that. Um, and so I guess in some way I'm like I almost feel like that's not necessarily a problem. Uh, but I mean I... I don't want to get canceled for saying this. Um, I mean, I see some... You already said that men can't get pregnant, so you're canceled. So just go on. <laughs> just go ahead and bury the... Bury bury, yeah. bury myself. Uh, I mean, I do observe kind of similar-ish dynamics in... Well, here, let workplace. me say the offensive part. Kim works with women. Okay, yes. You... I, this There's, is a phenomenon. It's hard to like talk about. I don't exactly know what it is. Yeah, but I don't have. I have the experience vicariously through my significant other, and what I see, and it's not just me. She knows. She's. Like, I don't know what what level would you call that? Like middle. She's not a manager. She's like a she's mid level like career professional. Career professional. Yeah. One one level below, kind of management, but doesn't have any desire to be management at all right right. so she can kind of observe things without the she's not going where's my opportunity you know like she's like she's like don't look at me nobody see me now here's a couple random observations men are dogs which is fine that's what they say you know it's not fully true men sir it's a stereotype whatever gay straight i don't think it really matters Men are a little chasey, you know what I mean? And I think women can be this way too, you know, but they have a higher standards or something. I don't know. But there are, have been times where she's gotten weird interactions with men, like in the break room and she's not wearing her tag or she wore her tag near the person, but the person's like kind of almost background researched her a little bit you know like knows her job and stuff i'm like who are you you know she's like i don't even know who you are i'm getting coffee like let me like what like maybe she's a little had flirty people kind or something of, yeah a little to... too much communication that's not professional okay she's had some of these kind of things so that's an experience that a woman can have and it's probably she it has actually they've this girl no longer works there but there was a girl that was like they saw her as kind of exhibiting a little bit of that behavior in like a uh this is a good for me kind of way like if i can get in with this guy and flirt with this guy like oh that's like helpful he's upper behavior. he's upper management he's above all the people that are managing me he's gonna come in and i'm gonna overstep bounds and i'm gonna like walk up to him and speak to him and everyone that's kind of been there's like what are you doing like mm. weird 
and she was a model, you know, yeah. like, quote, like I wouldn't oh, hide, but okay. I mean, she was a model. Yeah. So there's definitely a range of variability here too, like different, you know, degrees right. of which this can happen. And so they like to say, these women here, I'm including Kim, mm-hmm. they like to, they have a word, mog or something. I don't even know. Well, like, or wa-ma-ma-ma-ma. I don't know. There's some word for like white men in power. And some of oh, these guys, okay. it's a little bit of nepotism. Sure. A little bit of BS. But at that level, you know, you have like upper management women, like high level women and high level men. And you're like, oh my God, they're, they're, they're sitting there looking at them going like, they're all kind of friends. You got to be careful. You know, it's not all women against all men, but at the same time behind closed doors, for lack of a better term, there is a little bit of like, Hey, fuck these guys, these white men, they don't know anything, you know, but Mm. at the same time as that, in like the however many years she's been working here, that she's told me about like one male who's been hired. I've seen at least five hires in her little groupie thing. It's almost all women. Yeah, so that's the thing. they come and they go, they come and they go, they come and they go, which is not a woman thing, but it is interesting. And I think it is undeniable, and she knows it. It's, it's, I don't know if everyone's aware, but Kim knows. Like, it's a thing. Like, there's a lot of women here. I mean, there's definitely like me bias. Like, I don't, I think everybody would have tendencies to select people like them. And that may mean that men tend to select men or white people tend to select white people or. And they're creatives. So that's another kind of parallel with like what you're saying with the overrepresentation of men in certain arenas. Her particular job and therefore her direct manager and a little bit less the next level management and even less the next level. She's a creative person. So it's like she's Mm -hmm. creating like art and things like that which already is such a different thing. So more than, so there's all sorts of levels of like discrimination, mental discrimination where maybe, so maybe women are a little more creative. Also creative people in general, or let's say this, non-creative people don't really understand creative stuff. You know, they're like, oh, every, just make it pretty. Like your job isn't important. Like you just, right. You just sure, make it look different. Yeah. And there's so much more to it that it's like annoying. So there's a bigger, I would say there's probably a bigger divide between like creatives there and then the non-creatives, whether okay, they're male or female. So you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. like so many layers of like, oh, well, fuck all these straight white men, but also fuck all these non-creative people. Screw Jennifer, my main, the big manager who's like friends with the white men and like in those meetings, but also still thinks that like, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, you can just change the text on this advertisement and all you have to do is type it. And she's like, no, ep- the, the text is part of the art. If if you give me five paragraphs, I have to change everything and nobody seems to understand this and it takes me like five hours. You know what I mean? It's like there's so much more yeah, exactly. to it. No, I think the operative thing that you're discriminating on the basis of may be something actually very rational and reasonable. Like, Could you know, be. This is an art job and we're you know trying to select people who are creative types and women just tend to be, on average more likely to be the creative type than men. And and it's already a stat. Maybe it's maybe it's a fluke, you know? So you have Kim is a female. Her direct manager is a female. Her direct fa- manager is a female. The net manager above that, at that point, it kind of gets a little more of a of a tier of people and there's a little bit more diversity, but not much. There are a lot of straight white males at the top of the company. But there's also some women. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I don't know if this is because of the culture and the rhetoric or if it's natural. That's what I kind of wonder. Because I'm thinking if I were a hiring person, like I could hire somebody, I would be like, 
I don't really care if it's a woman or a man, like as long as I can get along with them and I feel like they can do the job, like that's good. Right. And I think most people are like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but maybe women aren't as much like that. I think it's probably a personality type thing. Cause I think you probably have managers that are a little more, that are female, but maybe more have some more masculine tendencies or traits as far as management style or whatever. But maybe as a woman, you're like, I don't want to deal. It's totally probably subconscious, but like, I don't want to deal with a man. The same way I can understand the fact that Mexicans in some of these stores, like you get a Mexican manager, you get a Mexican assistant manager. So now your two hiring people are Mexican guys and there's a level of fidelity or, or whatever you want to call it, like some kind of level of uh, relational similarity that you're like, it's all, it may all be subconscious, but like, no, this guy's a good worker. Like he's, you know, like I yeah, relate to yeah, him. He's like me, that. you know what I mean? So I'm trying to start a business. I could hire whoever I want, and I don't actually have any theory about who it would be better to hire. I'm just like whoever really wants to work and do a good job and likes what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I were Kim, if she tried to start a business, I feel like it's highly unlikely that she would hire anyone other than female. And in a way that actually makes sense to me, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's so sexist. It may be more productive. And I think there's actually a lot of research on this. For instance... Men, in like personality traits, men tend to be less agreeable than women on average. And, you know, there's something about like relating to people. Like, for instance, in my job, you don't see a lot of people who aren't college educated and whatnot. And there's definitely a culture around going to college and having that experience and whatnot. And you don't see a lot of people who aren't like that. And partly that's also like a... Yeah, it used to be cultural. literally like... What thing. school do you went? Like if you just went to the same school as whoever is hiring right, you, that was right. like a big thing. It used to be like, oh, bull go Bulldogs. Right. So you there's like I mean? a shared experience that you're having that maybe that helps you work together and be productive and have a collaborative social relationship. Um, and that's what I was thinking, too, is like there's a lot of diversity research actually about this where, you know, people may think it's morally righteous or better to have uh, more diversity than less diversity. But a lot of studies, uh, there's a lot of economic literature, have not really proven that diversity, that proven this claim that diversity leads to higher performance or productivity in the business. And then actually forced diversity, like where you have diversity mandates and things like that, tend to have negative effects on workplace performance and productivity. I feel like I've heard both, though. I feel like I've heard that like oh the more diversity you have the better off or i've also heard, i've also heard what you're saying that's like hey if you need a little bit of cohesion whatever that ends up translating to and actually that's what's better yeah you know i don't i don't know what to believe what to believe well i think partly it, it depends on what the outcomes are being measured in the study and what the time horizon of those outcomes is and also the kind of diversity there's a meta analysis what? so i know for the a fact i read oh, oh, I a meta analysis okay, yeah. I say meta. Uh, I say meta. Yeah, a meta analysis or meta. <laughs> Where it was a study that summarized a bunch of studies on diversity. And there was literally a quote with something like, I was trying to find it. If you're increasing diversity for the reason of improving business performance, that is misguided. Like that based on all the research we have about diversity, that it actually doesn't have a positive effect on workplace performance. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the only reason to do it. Yeah. Okay, so I was going to say, I th I could see that happening. I could see some of that research coming out as a fluke, like that you picking up on something kind of that you're not accounting for. And so it looks like something 
or it looks random or something like that. But because I'm thinking of people like me or even people who are really artistic. I heard this recently. So if you're a writer or like a true artist of some kind, I also heard the same thing about code, like coding, like if you're a programmer, that you really are looking for about two to three highly productive hours out of the day because of the type of work, like you just can't code at a high level for mm-hmm. 12 hours. Like you just, your brain can't, sure, a brain yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, it, yeah. you know, or you can't write for 12 hours straight. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but, or you may have, so I, there's people like this at Kim's job. It's not a creative thing that's keeping this guy around, but there's a guy that actually tried to like leave. He was like, I'm kind of ready to retire. And I think he was convinced not to retire. Hey, you can work less. You can make the same amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, great. I don't know if he brings anything other than networking to the company. He's just around, you know, it's like everyone's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of a little, little tough to work with. Kind of just a yes man, doesn't really work hard, finds ways not to work hard. But there's something about him that's like just worth keeping around. I could totally see a big advertising firm having like some contractors or even some employees where they're like, look, we, this guy just, he's amazing. You know, like every now and then he comes up with something genius, but he's just kind of horrible in a lot of ways to work with. You know what I mean? It's like that. Did you watch that movie about, uh, it's like not all or nothing. Like it could be like, this person has a redeeming quality, but a lot of other things are not very great about them. Well, did you watch the movie, the Chippendales or whatever it was called with that Indian guy? There's a movie there's no. a movie or a show on Netflix or something or maybe Hulu about the Chippendales and it, apparently that whole company was started by this Indian guy who like used to run a gas station and he was trying to figure out how to do his own thing and he ends up finding this Jew guy maybe two different Jewish people he ends up working with because it's like Hollywood it's like entertainment biz you know that's like good to know a Jew and he <laughs> he this guy in a lot of ways was kind of the genius behind it but he wasn't the owner but everyone started thinking that he was the chippendales guy but really it was this really awkward weird indian dude and there was always this clash between them because between who the indian guy who owned it and this guy who kind of brought the magic he was a choreographer okay. he was artistic he was like gay by something you know ends okay. up leaving his wife going for going with a man so he's very just kind of that kind of guy very just open like, creative very type different of... and creative and sure. does a lot of cocaine and what are the chippendales though what is they're this? like the playboy but like men so oh, like it's okay. men that stri- did strippy things and calendars and that kind of thing oh, okay so there was always this tension where it's like you can't get rid of me you know, mm. and the end, they, there was some shitty things like he ended up signing really dumb, bad contracts with like words that the Indian guy didn't even know what they meant and stuff like that. Like in perpetuity, for example, he wrote a contract in a napkin. The Jew guy did. And the guy signed it. Why does it always go like that? It's always a napkin. Oh, man, it was a hard show to watch. You should watch it. It's really it's really entertaining. But, you know, stepping outside, just watching it, you're like, oh, that is fucked. Like, what do you do? Like, this guy's amazing. Like, he clearly is, like, making this successful. And you hate it in a lot of ways. Well, they talk about that in the tech industry. They're like, or this has been, like, it's a stereotype. I don't know how frequent or uh, prevalent it is. But a lot of people who bring a lot to the table can tend to be assholes or narcissists or whatnot. And people don't like to work with them. Yeah, so that's, I think that's what I was saying about those studies. Like you could be picking up those things might not be measuring for everything. You know, like you oh, don't sure. know what, what. So what does it mean to say that diversity is good or bad for it? It's like in this case, mm. it 
how do you even make a judgment? Because in a way, there's like murders and it was horrible and awful. But at the same time, if it had it been any other way, maybe it was maybe he just got his Indian buddy, or maybe he got pushed out and it was just two Hollywood Jews. Uh, you know yeah, what? Yeah, what yeah. would have really happened? You know who knows exactly? So you you're how do I how do I actually do a study where I can account for diversity and account for like whatever this is that goes on with like creatives and. I don't know. It's just I feel like all the conversations we have like socially and culturally now are just so it's like they're a weird, tricky thing because they seem really interesting and like conspiratorial. I'm like, ooh, ooh, look what I'm seeing. And look at that cultural oppression and whatever they call it, you know, like. Sure. Well, I think a big part of it is just this like statistical thinking. Like, I think what you're saying is really interesting because it's like, well, when you peel back the statistic like on average this tends to happen or whatever or we observe diversity has this impact on average like you peel that back and look at each individual case you start realizing there's a lot of variability in each of these cases like all of them are different and there's different things going on it's really complicated and what is success you know what is success because you've told me stories about like the the guy that you uh had a, a seminar with or whatever where he like had the salsa company and in one version of that story it was a massive success because he sold it off and made a billion dollars. Right, an entrepreneur. He started a salsa company, sold it, made a bunch of money. Yeah, he was making salsa in his garage or wherever, and then yeah, yeah. it was amazing, and that's how come somebody wanted to buy it because they were like, look, I, I'm just making shit in my garage, and everyone loves it, and I'm selling out. I'm making a bunch of money, but right, like, I can right. make more money with an investor. I get the investor. They want to buy me out. I sell out Campbell's or whoever buys it. They do their new processing method to it. The salsa completely changes. It's a totally different salsa. Same brand name, but you end up with something totally different. So is that a success story or mm. is that not a success story? Because to me, I'm like, well, that sucks because the salsa is no good. Now it tastes like the, all the other sauces because they have to pasteurize it at 9,000 degrees in an industrial facility. Right. Making it at a large scale reduced the quality of the salsa, which was the thing that made his business so you know amazing to begin with. Yeah. So I wonder in those studies, what, what is the uh, success factor? Is it because if it's simply making money, if it's simply c- capitalistic or financial, you might be going, aha, let's measure success. Here's success, 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 success. There's a bunch of successful examples. Let's now measure the diversity within the company. Well, what was the baseline success? Was it just profits? Because if that's what it is, the whole system mm-hmm. of analysis could be weird, you know, where it's like, I don't even know if we're measuring the right thing here. Yeah, there could be problems in how you measure all of this and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I think it's much more complicated than people would like to make it out to be. Um, and there's a lot of nuance, and I don't think, too, it's good to, like, make blanket statement oughts, essentially, which is, like, it ought to be like this. Like, the percentages of different racial categories or gender categories in the company ought to be, you know, this. And it's like, well, why? Like, because people don't really have a problem. Like, in my department, you know, I don't think people have a problem in my department if the percentage of men and women isn't 50-50. You know, if there's... you saying they don't have a problem with that? No, I don't think we do. You know, I think we try to hire the best people for the roles and uh, we try not to discriminate. But you're also not a sociologist who has nothing better to do. You know what I mean? Because someone else might look at it and go, uh, actually, this is a really big problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, that's kind of funny because I'm looking at it, for some reason I'm thinking like, there's a Mex- we love this Mexican restaurant on the road. We have a kind of a regular waiter there is a Mexican guy. And he really, I don't even know if he speaks much English at all. 
to be honest. I think he just knows the names of the stuff on the menu and what it is. And I like that. I don't know. It feels more authentic as a Mexican restaurant. There's Mexican people making Mexican food. There's Mexican waiters and waitresses taking my order, large part. There's some other races there, but I don't, I don't think about it. It's, but, and it's also a weird thing with like when you go to hibachi, because like Mexicans and Asians can look a little similar. Oh my goodness. That is a weird phenomenon. I don't know if it's everywhere, Where, but like, here in Georgia. Mexican people will get hired to like an Asian restaurant and then people will confuse what ethnicity they are because it's like, oh, the people think they're Asian and they're actually Mexican. It's, it's very It's yeah, hilarious. Hila- I like it because now <laughs> it's like, it's funny. So I'm like, our Japanese chef is a Mexican that looks Japanese. And that's yeah. amazing um, and Which hilarious. Which is like, is that a problem? And it's like, I don't I don't even know. The person chose to work there. Like, we don't have a problem with that. No, that's like, exactly what? my point that I'm like, even in that case where I'm like, well, I can appreciate the Mexicans working at the Mexican restaurant. It's like, do I, it's a different kind of appreciation that the Mexicans work at the Japanese restaurant. But it's, uh, I don't care. Like, just because I'm, because I'm not a sociologist, I'm like, who cares? Like, that's funny. Like, I don't, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, there could be so many problems. Are we appropriating Japanese culture? Is it wrong for that Mexican to wear the Japanese outfit? I think a Japanese guy, the Japanese owner said, that guy kind of looks Japanese. (laughs) I'm going to hire him. (laughs) I I think that's literally, because it's never like, let me tell you what is never is never a black guy cooking at my hibachi grill. You know oh what I'm saying? God. Like, I've never seen that. Or like, I don't usually have women. Yeah, like there's a lot. Never. People, I've never, yeah. never had a woman hibachi chef. And that might be a cultural thing. Japanese culture. Even know. though yeah, there's maybe, no Japanese yeah. people working there. Like maybe Japanese men tend to be je- chefs in restaurants versus, because I don't know. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing people have a problem with and that gets lost or drowned out is people just want, I think, deeply to be in a meritocratic, meritocratic community where they know that they're supported by leadership and can move up if they work hard. And so I think oftentimes these criticisms of leadership, I think that's typically what you hear is like, oh, leadership is not diverse enough. There's not enough women in leadership positions or minorities in positions of power. I think really those load on to whether or not you feel like management is treating you fairly and equally relative to other employees. Because oftentimes, I mean, my experience, and I think most people's experience that I work with, is I don't care who the person is or what they look like or whatever. All I really care is that they're good at their job and they treat me and other people fairly and well. Yeah. And you know, I feel like where you see that most often, where things become most clear is in areas where it matters more, the level of employee. So I worked for a small company one time. So the bigger the company, the more diversity there seems to be. Sure. Maybe that's just natural. That's like a, it's like bigger selection pool. So you get more diversity in there. So I worked for a technology company one time. It was a small company. I mean, brought in maybe millions, probably, you know, hundreds of thousands a year in profits, I think, to the owner. And then he could pay us all. But I got laid off because it was that kind of, you know, it was like, and it was like, I hate to do it, but like, we're not getting the business. It was a weird, weird business. It was just like all or nothing. You know, if we don't get sales this month and it's like, we can't afford to keep you on. They paid me, they paid me too much. They put me on a, a pay structure where I made as a salesperson for the company, 30 grand a year base salary, which is kind of normal, but for a small company, it's hard to do that. 
that's a situation in which the employee really matters. So what it came down to is who can do the fucking job. It has to get done. There is absolutely no extra money to fuck around. Well, so that's a good point because this is something, I mean, I think about with these large tech companies because in a small company, it's like that. Like, we don't have a lot of resources laying around. Like, It, it matters, yeah. I don't care what color you are. Right. Yeah, these large companies, though, I think people look at them like a Google, you know, for example, and they say, you've got all these millions, billions of dollars. You should be, you know, hiring all these people and investing in them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, maybe that's fine. Uh, but you have to recognize that not all companies work like that. And actually most, because most companies are small, do not work like that. And they, they can't work like yeah, that. Yeah, they really just need someone to do the job. And they cannot pay you more than you're worth to the company. Like, it doesn't make any sense for them to do that. And you know what? Like you're saying, who is it? No one's holding the company that I work for that you won't even be able to find online. No one gives a shit what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah, doesn't people aren't out there like, you know, posting on LinkedIn, like you tiny this company, company. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there probably was some problematic stuff, but every small company like that I've ever worked for, small, successful company is problematic. Okay. Last guy I worked for used the N word on a regular basis, just simply to refer to black people. It was very uncomfortable. Okay, well, so, can we talk about that too? So something I I think this will be interesting for listeners. I work with people and I work in the tech industry where people talk about, you know, it's in the Milu of Milu. this. Milieu. Yeah, Is that milieu. What you oh, I was like, who's Milu? <laughs> Is that the manager? <laughs> Milu, he's a diversity hire, but. <laughs> <laughs> Milu, it's, it's actually, he was the... After Caillou grew up, <laughs> he had a son. His name was My- Milo. And, uh, Dear God. Yeah, he was in the same nepotism. milieu as Caillou, but different. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it's common for people to talk about workplace harassment and mistreatment and whatnot and file cases. And there's been lawsuits, not in, that I've been a part of directly, but these happen. And I just think we've gotten a little a little off our rockers, we've gotten a little too comfortable, and some of the things people complain about, I'm like, look, I understand that that's a problem, and it's not the best, it's not optimal, maybe there's something bad about it, but you've lost a little bit of perspective, because some things are way worse than this, and they happen all the time, and no one bats an eye, and so I, I kind of would, yeah, I, you had an experience with this person that was totally crazy to me, and I was like, wow, if that ever happened in a workplace like mine, that person would be fired immediately. Except for this guy owned the company. Right, right. Which is so, I mean, even in, like, like even in my company, if it was the owner, they would fire him. You know, like, it doesn't even matter. Like, the CEO. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, in, in a way, I could get this guy shut down, I guess. You know, theoretically. Actually, there's a lot of ways in which I could. He breaks rules that he's, he's violates mm. rules that, there's a long story, but but he used to yell at you is the point, yeah. Oh, God. He right? was yeah. a little vi- smoked meth. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. probably enough to get him <laughs> taken uh, down. Let's just, let's, let me paint a picture. He refers oh, to black people exclusively by the N-word, and he smokes meth. Um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all you need to know. So also, in my mind, I'm like, I'm tolerating a lot. Half of the work I do is just tolerating the workplace. You know what I mean? Like, 
that was just how I felt. I'm like, I what could you possibly want out of me beyond what what you're getting? I mean, that's kind of part of how I felt. But anyways, yeah. So it is. Um, I'd imagine it's quite different. Well, my point just being that, yeah, I think uh, obviously there's a lot of things about that that aren't great, not ideal, pretty bad. But I think people lack that perspective who are talking about like the Googles and the Microsofts. And I've wor- I've worked years ago. I worked for Walmart, and I had an experience where somebody, a manager, yelled in my face, like spittle flying out while he's yelling, saying, asking if I'm stupid and stuff like this. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the manager now. And I went to the store manager and I'm like, I'm just letting you know, I'm not going to work here if it's going to be tolerable that someone could scream in my face in front of everybody, God, my employees, all the other managers that I'm stupid. Mm. And uh, that was handled by the manager. It went, You know what I mean? Like that was a complaint that could be brought. And the manager's going to go, unacceptable. I'm going to go talk to him. And I don't know, uh, it wasn't there much longer than that. Left for a different reason. But even on that very low level in a big organization, actually, there's, I think at some point you probably have to add kind of checks and balances of some Mm. kind into those organizations. But a lot of the economy operates on or because of these wacky people. Yeah, so all my point being there just like, you know, you got to have some context. There's a large variability of things. And I think people miss that context. So it's like your baseline for assessing what's, you know, appropriate or inappropriate in the workplace can be really askew if, if things are going well. It's like the things you're sensitive to are very minute versus like you don't even know. Like the alternative could be like your manager literally spitting in your face and yelling at you. Like that's a very different environment than being like, I didn't like the way my manager, the tone of this email that he sent to me in a private chat. You know, it's like that's very different, even though those are the kind of complaints. And not to say that that's not okay, but yeah, it's just very different. And the other thing, too, I think is that you see it get weaponized. Um, So on the one hand, I think you want mechanisms to hold managers accountable. But I also think you use... Like, and I don't know how to root this out, but there's definitely people who will weaponize these sorts of policies for their own benefit. Will be like, you know, I'd like to, you know, keep this person down or I'd like to this person. I don't like working with them or I'd like to take them out. And so I'm going to create some sort of situation where I'm going to, you know, take advantage of some of these policies or whatever. I'm going to paint them in a bad light. I'm going to trip them into some doing something they shouldn't do or saying something they shouldn't say. Yeah. And from my perspective as the people person working in those environments there's a reason i tolerated it and it was a big old paycheck you know so like you want me to work 15 hours a day well if i can handle it i get paid i didn't get paid overtime like time and a half but i didn't get taxes taken out and i could get 15 hour a day worth of paycheck which was each week pretty big i was making money yeah. If someone had tried to come start a problem, I probably would have defended this, the operation. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, mm. I kind of always figured sometime, at some point something might come up here because he was a meth head racist. And I was always kind of thinking, like, how would I handle that? And uh, now it may be different, but at the time it was like, look, I work for this guy. He comes from a different place, a different time. There's really no excuse necessarily, but I always, I was never really sure. I mean, he dealt with black guys a lot of times. So I wasn't even sure that the use of the, the N-word was felt as demeaning in his head. 
as it really was to probably most people. And he did get into some headbutting situations dealing with the types of people. So the types of people a lot of times that would deal with us were like, they could be black, but they're kind of black and a little like us, you know? So it wasn't, I don't even think it was that crazy. Like I, I feel like if I would have caught one before they left and been like, hey, hey, just so you know, he calls you the N-word and he's kind of a racist. I kind of imagine they'd be like, yeah, I figure as much, but he writes me a big fucking check when I bring him all these, all this material. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they'd be like, yeah, I deal with people like that all the time. I don't give a shit. Because it, it's not like it was blatant. He didn't like wear shirts that said black lives don't matter or something, but it was just, I mean, how do you cover that up? You know, like, yeah, there's a certain level of privilege and relaxation and whatever else ease that has to be present for you to start going, wah, problem here, problem there. Yeah. Well, it's also like what's actually being done, you know, like in that situation, it's like, you know, maybe he never says it to them and maybe he never wrongs them in any way. And so it's like, whatever, like I don't have any qualm with you. I can tolerate whatever weird beliefs you have on your own time and whatnot. But, you know, you treat me in a fine way. And I think that's a a different thing, too. Like, I think people will be like, you know, back to the OnlyFans thing. It's like, what are we talking about when we're talking about how the person acts in faraway situations or thoughts they think privately or whatever, if they're not actually doing anything like wrong in the workplace or to you? Well, this is a big topic. I think we should do a, a thing on this because I did research on this for some reason. I had a course in college. What was it? It must have been like U.S. history. Yeah, that's probably what it was. And uh, the thing that might be interesting to go through was that professor at Georgia State had us look into the separation of public and private life as it related, in this case, to like political leaders and stuff. So there was like things that George Washington believed like you shouldn't walk around in your living room with your underwear on or something. Mm. Or like recently I uh, watched the Martin Luther King documentary on Hulu. Exactly. It's very interesting. Exactly. So should we care that Martin Luther King was a philanderer, a hypocrite, possibly working for the FBI, whatever? Well, he had non-monogamous sexual relations apparently outside of his marriage that was never disclosed to the public while presenting a very, or the Bill Cosby thing, you know, for, right. while presenting a very Bill Cosby vibe, like, oh, I'm like, I'm a wholesome right. Christian preacher, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I cheated my wife uh, ser- serially. So, okay. But there was an interesting discussion about it, like in the kind of vein that you're talking about. It's like, does this diminish his reputation? Does this, you know, lessen anything that he did or what? Right. And the conclusion and- of the court in the course, the propaganda, the thing we were supposed to believe was, doesn't matter doesn't matter that much. Don't worry about that. Worry about their their public life, not their private life. Mm. And I agreed with that at the time to a certain extent. And then it hit me. I was like, you know what? I actually, so now we can go back to meth head racist guy. Does it matter that privately he's a meth head racist? Yeah. I don't know. At a certain level, I'm like, no, your private life is revealing of character. Yeah. You know, what you do when nobody's watching is, I think there's a saying, you know, what you do when nobody's watching, whatever, blah, blah. It's That's like, who you really are or whatever. Who, who you are or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's sure. actually something to that. So like if we found out tomorrow that actually Jordan Peterson had quite a situation with the drug thing, like all of a sudden we found out he's highly addicted to benzos 
mm. and has to go into a coma to get off them. And you're like, what? The guy that's like, fucking clean your room and don't do drugs? What are you talking about? He's on drugs so hardcore, he's got to go to Russia and be put in a coma to come off of them? Like, that's insane. It's- yeah. Well, that may be disproportional or whatever. I think it was medical. Well, I think there's something scammy going on with that because have you ever looked at his his uh, graduate work? I'm pretty sure it was looking at something with pharmacological uh, stuff. And so the fact that somebody who did spend time studying pharmacology as it relates to psychology or psychiatry to not know that benzos, which anyone who's ever taken benzos Hmm. knows it's like super fucking it's like quite pot okay i've been in rehab let me tell you there's two things you can die from withdrawing on okay two that that they know of alcohol and benzodiazepines or barbiturates basically those that class that's those those that kind of Barbiturates, barbiturates became benzos. before benzodiazepines. So like barbiturates have been like phenobarbital, I think, or whatever. Is this uh, like the Valium to the phenobarbital would stop? You would say today seizures. Xanax can do the same. I think can stop panic. It's a type of sedative. Oh, okay. And so if you just quit them, you can die. Same with alcohol. If you just quit alcohol, if you're a hardcore alcoholic, you can die. Now you could be on heroin. You quit heroin, you don't die. You can get. Very sick feeling. You basically get the worst flu you've ever had. Like physically, like you get the flu, you get, you throw up, you have your body just unbelievably uncomfortable. You can have severe, severe pain, but you won't die. And they know that in rehab, which is why they do not give you heroin in rehab. They sometimes will give you something to come off of it, but usually they're like, look, it'll be, you'll be fine. You know, it sucks. Sorry. Like it just sucks. We're not going to pump you full of it. We're not going to prolong this process. So it's just weird to me that Mr. Dr. Peterson did not know that you might get highly fucking lethally addicted to one of the most well-known established classes of drugs on the market. Hmm. It's also confusing to me that a PhD psychologist wouldn't at least Google the medication you're being put on by a psychiatrist. Yeah. That's really sketchy to me. Yeah, but I nevertheless, know, I know. nevertheless, there's a lot of questions there, and I don't want to speculate without. No, we don't have to. On. But yeah. I'm just saying, nevertheless, we have a private life versus public life situation, and I don't think yeah. people would be necessarily wrong to witness that private piece of your life come public, because how often does that happen? Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, Trump, and whatever the hell he was up to with models and women and grabbing by the pussy shit. I don't know, but I'm saying that if you decide to separate that mm. and look only publicly, you're going to end up with fucktards like we end up with. Well, maybe you end up with less desirable people. I think it's interesting because, I mean, at least personally, I Because they're not principled. Yeah, I do judge people on the basis of that. Like, for example, I hold people in higher esteem who I think have really solid personal lives, uh, if they're a researcher, for example. I strive for it in my own life, like self-improvement, where I'm like, I want to be the person, I want to be someone that I'm actually proud of, and acting in front of people and then going home and acting another way, I'm not proud of that. Right. Like, I think I don't really respect 
the research that some academics or whoever do who their lives are kind of a mess. And then especially if you're doing research that seems to be about those very specific problems that you're experiencing. And it's like, I don't know that I trust you on this. It's like preachers that say you're gay, you go to hell, and then you find out they're like being all gay. And you're like, right, exactly. should I separate? Like it, that, That's like the most stark. It's like you obviously cannot separate those because he's full of shit. Or be honest about it. If you just said so. Right. Just, just say, say Talk it. about it. Yeah. Just say, like, I struggle with this. I think it's wrong. And I struggle with it. And I want you people to, like, not tr- – you know what I mean? Like, be yeah. genuine about it. That's important. Exactly. Yeah. Because Freud, he talked a lot about sexual repression and whatnot. But yeah, If he could just out- admit he wants to have sex with his mom, then we could all be like, <laughs> okay, at least we know. Yeah. He was having a, a relationship with his wife's sister where they he had an intimate relationship with her, apparently, uh, this is documented, and uh, felt very guilty about it, and his wife never knew he kept it from her. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, well, of course that weighs very heavily on your conscience, and he also did not want this to come out. Like, he didn't tell the public. Did he write about it or something? It's actually, it's uh, in a foreword I recently read. So... He, he and Carl Jung were good friends. Carl Jung was a student of Freud. And Carl Jung kind of departed from Freud. This is in a foreword on a book about Carl Jung, which is sort of a biographical foreword saying like, hey, here's the history of whatnot of Carl Jung that I was reading. And so Carl Jung sort of departed from a lot of Freud's ideas, partly because of this, that Freud actually confided some of this in, in Carl Jung and with him, saying that he had had this blah, blah, blah. And that he actually told Jung at one point like, this can never come out because if this comes out, my whole theory will be done. Like everything will be erased and whatnot. And it's just very, you know, so there's, there literally is that kind of stuff going on sometimes. And I think all the time. Yeah. You're like, I can't, it's hard to take people seriously when you don't see that the person has a really strong character in their private life as well. Yeah. Here's the thing. I wonder, is it possible? Is everybody like that? You know, Because I think, and Mm. I don't think they are fully, but I don't fully understand it either because I am super duper, I'm really upset that I just said super duper. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Like, who says super duper? But I am saying it. I'm super duper different from Kim. Like, very different. Like You're a partner. You're right. So, we have a, I think it's a national brand. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. She can't say the name of that store because the name is Dick's, which is an abbreviation for Richard. I don't know how that's possible, but it is. And she can't say it because it's a bad word. So I, on the other hand, derive pleasure from saying all the bad words. Yeah, I think you said about 40 or 50 of them in this conversation. Now, here's my point. (laughs) My point is, I'm always striving. I thought this yesterday. I'm like, I'm going to read that. I haven't. I haven't read it. But the uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for whatever. What's yeah, it called? it's a good book. You should read it. So I was like, I should read that so I can like be better. Because I want to be... Oh, God, we can't get into this, actually, because it's going to go on forever. Because I have... We should talk about my existential dread sometimes, because I have existential dread. And I... I watched this show recently called The Black Butterfly or Black Butterflies. It's some French thing. And this has not happened to me in a long time, but it has happened to me before. 
I, as I was watching it, I thought I was going to die. What I thought was happening was I ate too much cheese fondue. <laughs> okay. But that's not what was happening. I don't think. I was, I, I thought there was, and there was a, a strobing effect on the show. And I was like, and we have a little bit of epilepsy in our family. And I was like, oh shit, I'm about to have a seizure. I felt oh something God. coming on. Like I was feeling, I've like, I was like, I turned pale. My hands were sweating. I was like, oh fuck. And I told Kim, I'm like, hey, I might be about to have a seizure. And she's like, well, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. Just if I throw up, like roll me over. And she's like, will it stop? I'm like, I don't know, but probably. And she's like, should I call the police? And I was like, do not call the police. So crazy. So I was like, I was having a don't real Don't call freak the police. Out. Oh God. No, fuck the police. You need We're close the enough to the hospital. Wait till I stop. Get me to the hospital. I didn't have a seizure. I was having immense, I think the, the show was subconsciously causing me to have a, was triggering you. I mean, watch a French movie. They're very much, they're very different a lot of times in American movies. They're real heavy. Sometimes they just end, you know, you're just like, what the fuck? We like a closure here in America, you know, good guy wins, something like that, you know, justice, something. We like a thing like that. Sure. Yeah. The French are like uplifting endings. Je m'en fous. We do not care. It's fuck that. It's always horrible. It's nihilism. I don't know what the fuck they believe. But anyway, so this thing is like shows like a whole lifetime. Okay. And I started freaking the fuck out. And one of the feelings I was getting was like, what if, it was a kind of a love story. I'm like, so what if I didn't have Kim? Hmm. And then what if I got old, like this guy in the show, you know, he was alone. And this true love, like he wasn't with her really anymore. Hmm. I can't tell you got to watch it if you I can't spoil I can't say anything because okay. it spoils it because it's a really wild show like the whole thing just like flips upside down by the end you're like whoa but I'm like oh my god like would I kill myself mm. and I started thinking is this feeling I'm having because when I was a kid I had really bad depression and I thought this might this kind of feels like and I'm talking about like not like I struggle with anxiety like I mean cry myself to sleep 99% of the time and I was like, this might be the same feeling just as an adult of like dread of like existing. Like I'll have to die one day. I could do it alone. I don't know if I would. I might just kill myself. Like I didn't, I was like, what would I do? Like I was just having a horrible experience. And so it got me thinking all these things I'm telling you. Cause at first it was just a feeling. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not having a seizure. I didn't eat too much cheese. I don't know what's happening. I actually tested the cheese theory and ate some more cheese and it actually did make it worse. So I stopped eating the fondue. It's actually a combination of things. I don't know. <laughs> don't eat that cheese. I don't know what that fucking... Anyways, but I was like, I don't want to have that feeling. How could I not have that feeling one day? How could I be alone and not feel like I just want to die and be depressed? And it was like, well, if I became who I wanted to be, whatever, I was just like, it's like a tautology. Like if I just were who I wanted to be, then I would feel like I wanted to feel, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of obvious unless there's something really, really wrong, you know, a brain tumor pushing on my happy genes or happy gland or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, Sure. Well, that's also true. Like neurologically, like you reach, you're moving toward your goals and you're aligned with your goals. And so you're integrated right. and that's positive emotion and whatnot. And some people probably have goals that don't. So like, I know people that are like, I could say like, I, you should, I should be like this. And they'd be like, who cares? You know, like if it's like, uh, 
like OnlyFans or something. Sure, like, like change the goals or whatever. I shouldn't buy OnlyFans subscriptions or something. Yeah, but you can't trick yourself. That's the problem with that. It's like you could be like, well, just change your goals. It's okay to do this and whatnot. But it's actually, you can change like your persona, like who you're striving to be, but you actually can't change the real self, I think, where it's like, what are you really like? But it's more like a, it's yeah. more like I want to be able to di- direct myself rather than, there's a quote and I, I'll find it one day. It's in a book. I have it underlined everything. And it's in some anthology, so it's like seven trillion pages, and I've got to find it. But I think it was by Rousseau or one of these early writers. Philosophers or whatever. Philosopher type guys. And he was saying something like, freedom is, it basically, the basic premise was like, freedom is not freedom to do whatever you want, basically. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like freedom is, more, it was something like being able to conquer those things that kind of push you around and your whims, you know, like conquer the urges. Yeah. Whatever. Be led yeah, just so by was, your will or whatever. Right. So yeah, I, that's always stuck with me, obviously, because I can't remember the fucking quote, but I was really liking what I was reading. And then he said that and I was like, uh, okay, that's interesting. That is true. And it, there was a point when I was younger where I really thought that maybe I thought it too much. Now mm. who I am now, I, I start, I wonder like what we've been talking about. Is anybody like that? Is mm. anybody virtuous? And that's why I brought up Kim not being able to say Dick Sporting Goods. So I'm like, in a way, that's like a little overkill in my mind. But at the same time, I know that her mm. private and public life probably mesh up well. She has great, she has great restraint. Now, I don't think she has to try as hard as I would to have restraint. Like she doesn't have as strong of urges or whatever. Because it's so natural that it actually, I don't think, takes her very much effort Mm. to not say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it would actually take quite a bit of effort. So is the world full of chance in that way that could be a guy running a billion dollar company and he seems really legit? And then in his private life, he's also very legit. He's like Kim, but a billionaire. You know, he's... Just do things right. I just I don't know how I got a billion dollars or whatever. It happened. Yeah, it could happen. I guess I don't know. I wonder if that's even possible. I'd like it to be possible, and I feel like I'll never know if I don't try. You know, and I definitely Mm. don't want the dread of not being that person. So I think for me, it brings up a much deeper conversation. Mm. This private life versus public life. There is a distinction. There are natural distinctions. So like when you speak to your group of friends versus when you have to go speak to the judge over a traffic ticket, you're going to just act different. Or to a large crowd, maybe. or Whatever. Speech, yeah. If yeah. you're presenting, you talk differently. You just, you got to talk a certain way. It's kind of natural though. In a, sure. It almost wouldn't be as good if, it, if you didn't do that. Right. It would be not good. So there is some natural distinction, but I think some of the things that are focused on, like in that class I was talking about, I'm like, now this actually, these things you're telling me about, they do matter Mm. because a lot of it was like they were philanderers a lot of times, you know, it's like, that's, that speaks volumes actually. Like if I were always just running around on Kim to me, that would speak volumes about me. I'd be like, Mm. I'm a piece of shit or, but some people don't feel that. So there's two levels. There's some people that don't even feel it, and then there's some people that want to restrain it but can't. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel if someone were doing that or not doing that. Like, maybe there's some difference I would feel worse about the person who's non-monogamous, like just having sex for pleasure. But sometimes those people are honest. Yeah. The sex at Don guy. I think he's a scumbag and a loser. 
but he's not pretending to be something else. I mean, he just says, I'm not a scumbagger. Yeah, I almost respect that more, despite I disagree with it. Right. He's like, I can, this is my lifestyle. And then he writes a book and says, it should be yours too. And you're like, well, you're an idiot. Sorry. That's fine. But at least you're not saying you should be having sex with everybody you possibly can because that's what it's all about. And then also never has sex with anybody except for his wife. I'd be like, I'm confused. Do you believe this or do you not believe this? Mm. Or vice versa. If he said you shouldn't cheat and he was cheating, again, speaks volumes. There's something wrong Mm. if you're going against your public. I don't know. it's, It's a weird line it could be thought about. Yeah, yeah. We could definitely think more about this because, yeah, I mean, in some sense, the public life is just the social life. Like that distinction is only relevant in a social community. Like if you just lived alone, there would be no public life. And so there wouldn't be a distinction to make. And then, yeah, I think in general in the society, there's a function to having like the persona, the persona, the like public acting self, the self that you present to the public and the community it has a value both directions. Like it has value to the person putting on the act because they get something from the community from it, accolades or benefits or whatnot. Um, And the community gets something out of it because they value whatever it is that the person is embodying. That's something uh, good for the community. And whether or not that maps onto the real self is tricky because I think Like you're saying, people have all sorts of urges and tendencies, like people have the tendency to take the the easy way out or the tendency to prioritize the self over others or the common good. But the good for the community is uh, to be upstanding and to be, uh, you know, long-term committed relationships and committed relationships to your community and to others around you. Yeah, so is it always, is any good advice delivered from an, by an imperfect person. And is that okay? And it seems to me that on a certain level that has to be true. Yeah. Because nobody's perfect. Exactly. There's always, I think, an unresolved tension between who you really are, who you say you are, and who you'd like to be. And that's true for everyone. I think really the problem is like how far is the gap between maybe... What you actually believe. Right. What Who you are and what you say you are or who you are and what you want to be. I think the who you are and what you say you are is a problem for other people. Like if you're really different than who you say you are, that affects others a lot. I think if you're who you want to be and who you are is really different, I think that affects you a lot. Like you're really far away from who you'd like to be. And I think it matters too how much you really know in that situation. If I'm doing something and then I give advice contrary to how I behave, in certain contexts, I think that's okay. Sure, like I know because I make the mistake. Right, and I certainly wouldn't want to say, well, I do that and I don't care. And I think you should do it too. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about fixing that about yourself. You know, that's mm. that could be one version of honesty, but that relies on the fact that you kind of are full of shit because the belief about what you're doing is that it's okay, but you're telling everyone else that it's not okay. Now, why would you do that if you actually thought it was okay? Unless you are scamming me somehow. Sure, there's some incongruence there. At least, like, if you continue to do it, you know, it's like you can make a mistake. Which is different than what Jordan Peterson did. Right. The Jordan Peterson thing became public. I'm on drugs. I got to get off drugs. It doesn't comport with me, what I want to be, what I what I teach, any of that kind of stuff. 
I w- it is better hidden in certain cases, but maybe not. Maybe ultimately for him, it was better that it came out, but that becomes an interaction between the kind of, I'm trying to help other people. I also have to help myself. You know, there's a lot more going on there and yeah. it didn't come across as shit. I got busted like a celebrity. Like, oh, I got to go to rehab now for the show of it. You know, like, Oh, I'm going to rehab. I'm done being crazy. I made a mistake. And now I've got to like, this is my cop out. Like I did drugs. Whoopsies. It wasn't that, you know, it was, I got on drugs. I'm going to get off drugs now. I got to go away to do this. It's a big problem. I was under a lot of stress, et cetera, et cetera. There's a mea culpa. That's important. And it does have a redeeming quality to it, you know. I have respect for that to a certain extent in his case, especially given the persona he presents. You know, I feel like if I had to be like, I'm on drugs, I got to get off drugs, I'm going to rehab, or a comedian had to do, you know, it's like it'd be, you'd be totally open about it and it'd almost be funny, fine, whatever. Whoops. I was never trying to be anything other, but it's like, in this case, you kind of became exactly what you were saying nobody should be and you wrote a whole fucking book on it. That was a big moment, but then it was like, I'm going to take care of this then. Right. I'm working through it. And I think it's bad. <laughs> well, yeah. Back to the Martin Luther King thing, I think for me at least, I I think part of it depends on how positive a force the person is. How positive is that persona on the community? How positive an effect does it have? And I think Martin Luther King had a very profoundly positive impact on the community. Depending on who you ask. And that took a lot of sacrifice to do that, like on a personal level. Like you have to sacrifice your whole life to public service and to going out and trying to fix these issues and leading people and inspiring people. Assuming day after that day. was his goal. And how, how can one really fully know? It may, it, in, a, in another sense, it may have essentially been his career. Sure, there could have been personal motives. He became a he became a public figure or a, a, a the first kind of version of like an influencer. You know, like sure, that's an interesting kind of job. To yeah, have. well, maybe there's something dark there. I guess. Yeah, to me, I you know, I guess, and this could be me with rose glasses, rose tinted glasses on. You know, kind of saying, look at how much this person sort of sacrificed for the community and whatnot. And so in that way, I think I'm more tolerant and accepting of his shortcomings as a person because I say, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but it's almost like equal. It's like counterbalanced by something just as profoundly positive. And so I think there's also that. It's like you have to weigh like a person's shortcomings with their contributions to a community perhaps as well. Maybe. I think a lot of times that stuff is hidden yeah yeah well we say, didn't know at the you know, time even yeah. polit- politicians for example always like to say how amazing the things they did were and you're like did you do amazing things you just like saying shit <laughs> yeah, you know yeah um, that seems like that's kind of all they do they're like i don't we made the best economy ever it's like really every everyone ever has said that we're making america amazing again 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 for the millionth time <laughs> yeah we've never had a hard time yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll just cut it off there. <laughs> oh, oh.